Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. And my definite purpose is to encourage people to live positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about the show at the website, which is journeytosuccessradio.com. I have a I'm very privileged today. This is a very highly accomplished uh, and amazing man. Bob Danzig is our guest today. Um, I was been familiar with Bob for a number of years. He recently appeared on a program called The 17 Biblical Principles of Success, put together by my friend Phil Taylor. And Phil uh, arranged for me to interview Bob. Bob Danzig spent his childhood uh, shuffling from one foster home to another never quite belonging and when he got his first job as an office boy at the albany times union the newspaper became his family he was encouraged by a caring boss uh, and then he spent three years in the navy went to college night times for five years and was awarded a journalism fellowship to stanford university 19 years after walking in the door as an office boy, Bob became the publisher of the Times Union. And then seven years later, he was named president of all Hearst newspapers nationwide. And in the next two decades, he led the 6,000-employee company to a renaissance of talent, purpose, and a hundred-fold profit growth, earning him industry-wide respect for his innovative marketing leadership and after retiring or changing careers, I guess, Bob became a professional speaker and was named to the Speaker Hall of Fame in 2007. And so far, he's spoken to over a million people. Wow. Welcome to the show today, Bob. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be with you and your audience. I am. Uh, one of my goals is to visit the Hearst Mansion in California. So I've learned of Hearst uh, from back then, and I've studied them. That's an amazing organization and an amazing climb to become a president of that organization. But let's start off talking about uh, your experience with foster homes. Uh, I don't, I can't come, it doesn't come to mind anyone that I personally know that, you know, spent a lot of time in foster homes and let I, yet I've read about it, you know, see, uh, examples or people on TV maybe, but uh, talk about that life because someone like myself who grew up in a, with great parents and well, amazing parents, uh, it's hard to understand the life of someone who's grown up in foster homes and that's a big part of your life. Uh, any early part of anyone's life is so important and you spent yours in foster homes. Well, yes, my parents divorced and left the area and put me in foster care when I was two years old. So I have no memories, of course, until I was a little older because you're just an infant. 
But there's about 600,000 American children in foster care. Overwhelmingly, they drift from place to place unless they get adopted. And therefore, they learn to live a life of survival and, um, and also never fitting in, never having friendships, never having playmates, never having a birthday because you're just moved from place to place and you're always secondary to the birth children of those homes. Very often, no longer the case, but early on, uh, foster parents took kids in because they got paid for it. So therefore, right. the the focus was minimal on developing the child. But as is always the case in life, Tom, I had a blessing. I was about 10 years old, and a social worker moved me to another foster home. Never forgot her name was Mae Morse. And at the end of telling me the name of the family she bring me to, she reached over, she took my hand, she looked me in the eye, and she said, never forget you are worthwhile. And she was my foster parent, foster social worker, for about a year. And every time I met with her, she took my hand and said to me, never forget you are worthwhile. It was the first time I could ever recall feeling like a person. Before that, I felt like driftwood, just going place to place. But May Morris gave me the gift of feeling like a person. I never let go of her words. And your audience has the power to use their words to alter people's life directions, just as you do with this program. So... That was a big blessing, as I said, and uh, even though I was in countless foster homes after that, her her words were like a tattoo on my spirit, and they caused me, on reflection, to choose the good. Right. I chose the good, and all we need in life is a little lubrication to not drift towards the bad, but to choose the good. Her words were my lubrication. Right. And you never know who, who, you know, what impact your words are going to have. My my wife calls me the word police uh, because uh, I'm not, uh, I, I don't let negativity go by easily. And I always know how to say it in an encouraging or positive fashion. And so just those, that one sentence she said to you each time, Imagine the impact that we can have as adults on young people with the words that we speak to them, either if they're our kids, our kids, students, um, church people, whatever it may be. Um, our words can really, really impact people that, in ways that we don't even know. Like, what would that woman know that those words would, in essence, give you direction for your life? And yet, what a powerful... Uh, uh, phrase that she used and what a great impact she had on you. Let's talk about your career now. Uh, uh, you, anytime you run an organization of 6,000 people, you got to learn a lot about leadership uh, uh, with your feet to the fire. And talk about uh, uh, discovering and mastering the leader that's within you. Because if we can't master or lead, lead ourselves, really we're not capable of leading other people. And, you know, Napoleon Hill talks about thoughts or things. And so I'm sure a part of mastering the leader with you starts with your thoughts. But talk about what else is involved in becoming the leader within yourself. And then when you can do that, then everything in the external world becomes a lot easier, right? Well, I believe uh, firmly, Tommy, that particularly when you're in a young part of your career, there are people that cross our paths 
and they are willing to give us the gifts of their own leadership capability. It is up to us as individuals to recognize those and assimilate those and to, whether appropriate, echo those. So, you know, foster care kids largely grow up in um, maternal households. They rarely see a man. And therefore, at least early in my career, there are mostly men in positions of authority. And I identified with them. I identified because I never had a father figure in my life before I went to work. And I can I can see with precision all those various men in my path who gave me different gifts of their own leadership capabilities. And I was assimilating those. And I believe that your audience has the same thing happen to them. They're they're gonna cross paths with people whose conduct, whose whose words, whose attitude reflects leadership qualities. And I began to see that there was kind of a pattern in those qualities after a bit. And I I found that there was always a mindset to seek the possible in the leaders I was watching. There was always a commitment to quality in everything they did, not just quantity, but quality. There are there are their own engine of motivation and inspiration. They didn't have to wait for others to give them that. I found they had a palpable passion. Every one of them had a palpable passion. And they had a great, great quality of resiliency bouncing back when challenges and disappointments and reversals happened in life. But those happened in business and life. But they universally had a capacity to bounce back. And they also had two other things I never forgot. They had a personal presence, and I believe that those come from your natural charisma. Everyone has a natural charisma. That's where your spirit resides, your love resides, your capacity for emotion and sharing resides, and that gets expressed in the in the aura around one. So they had a presence to them. When they walk into a room, you can feel that presence. And the other was what you just mentioned. They respected words. They used words effectively. They were good leaders because they could communicate effectively, not just writing, but speaking effectively. So I found that handful of qualities always available in these various leaders across my path, and they invited me to observe them. And once you begin to observe them, you begin to echo them in your own style, your own words, your own conduct, and that's how you begin to nurture those qualities within yourself. And there comes a time, it's a kind of a hidden, invisible time, Tommy, when you move from nurturing those qualities to mastering them. Mm. And it's not, it's not like crossing a line or winning a race. There's just simply an evolution to having mastered those various qualities. And I know throughout the conduct of my whole business career, I was really just mirroring all those qualities I found in leaders across my path. Wow. And uh, so many valuable lessons there for um, younger people especially, but older people as well. Is, uh, when you come across someone who strikes you with that charisma or wisdom or knowledge or something you just feel, uh, don't just be happy that you met them. Um, I have found, surprisingly, and I found I know people who think the opposite, if successful people love to help other people, 
And if someone, a younger person, asks an older leader to mentor them or help them or tutor them, many, many times they're going to say yes. And so I know a lot of people that would be afraid to be like, well, I would, you know, I really admire this person, but I'm too nervous to even approach them. That's, that's silly. They, they want to now impart their knowledge and wisdom to other people. And so seek them out. Don't just be aware that you've met someone who's like, wow, this well, sometimes I take the very simple form, Tommy. Uh, yeah. uh, I've had countless people come to me for career advice as to how they advance from where they are to a higher rung of the ladder of success. And I always tell them, you're not going to like my answer. <laughs> I said, really, what's real? Shine where you're potted. If you shine where you're potted, there's an aura that surrounds you that invites people to recognize you. <laughs> so rather than have your eye on the next, have your eye and your commitment on what you can do now to shine where you're positive. I don't I, think it's too complicated. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> isn't it? And sadly, it isn't that complicated in this day. If you show up early every single day and you have a positive attitude, that's going to put you ahead of like, 80% of people that don't show up every single day unless you're dead, you show up. And if you have a positive attitude all the time, you will, as you said, just focus on your own job, do it well, show up early, stay late, and have a positive attitude. And for sure, people are going to want you in their department or position or whatever. You will be noticed uh, just by doing those two Seemingly simple, but not always so simple things. Uh, Bob, my favorite Napoleon Hill principle is learning from adversity and defeat. And you talked about that from the leaders that you assimilated your knowledge from. Uh, they go through the same challenges as us. They go through divorces. They go through sickness. They go through parents dying. They go through business decisions that turn out wrong. They go through losing and then earning money. Uh, that's such an important uh, point. If you're going to be a leader, you can't just be a leader when times are good. You have to be a leader when everything in the background of your life is messed up or screwed up for a while. And talk about that because that's so important. Uh, you know, uh, the best athletes do their well, best on the days they feel the worst. I had mentioned earlier, Tommy, that uh, one of the qualities I've seen universally in these various leaders across my path was a resiliency, an ability to bounce back from adversity. And the best example I have that in my own life is my second daughter. I have five children, and my daughter, Marcia, was afflicted with bone cancer when she was 14 years old, and she lost her leg. She lost her bladder. She lost her kidneys. She was on dialysis for 15 years. So Marcia, from 14, she's now a young adult, for most of those years, never knew wellness. She only knew health challenges. However, Marcia's uh, got a master's degree from Harvard. She has a doctoral degree. She's a yoga master. She takes African dance lessons. She does amazing things because she's a daddy. I may have only one leg, but I've got a full spirit. And I can wow. choose to confront adversity and not let it ever overpower me. I will simply use it 
as a way to go forward in life. So Marcia represents powerful resiliency. She could be sitting home in a wheelchair moaning about herself. Instead of that, she's always embracing the next, embracing the next. In fact, she's now got a contract to write two books. So she's an author. She's a yoga master. She's a healer. She's a teacher. And all this in the face of what most people would find overwhelming adversity. She doesn't focus on the adversity. She focuses on bouncing back. Wow. I want to interview her. That's an amazing story. She's amazing. And and as someone uh, myself, I've had rheumatoid arthritis since I'm five, from my jaw to my toes, and I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced. So I know about physical challenges and the resiliency that's required to just Ignore it and do the very best you still can with all the skills, talents, and abilities that you have. And at the same time, you're leading and and having a successful career while you have a daughter who's going through this. So you still have to be a leader at work, even when your thoughts, I imagine, were often on your daughter. And so this is a a case of, yes, leadership is... Uh, all the time, even during the rough times. And uh, what an amazing story of your your daughter there. That's uh, incredible. Uh, now, you talk on your website, I think, uh, books, and, and a lot of what you talk about is confidence. I read Napoleon Hill's self-confidence formula every single day. And if you have that self-confidence or confidence in yourself, it sure makes anything you want to do in the outside world, much easier, doesn't it? Oh, well, Tommy, I taught the confidence course at the University of New York City for seven years to all adults. They signed up for something called the confidence course. And among the key things we would guide them to understand is that confidence often grows out of our own self-talk. Confidence simply means mm-hmm. acting with faith in oneself. And if your self-talk begins to confirm your ability to overcome and deal with these things or manifestation of a chilled confidence, for example, the number one fear that most people have, as you know, is standing up in public and speaking. Right. Well, we can give people tools to help deal with that. Often people are overwhelmed by worry. We give them tools to alter the self-talk they have about worry. So we give them tools to have more successful conversations. We give them tools to overcome and reduce shyness. So anyway, I'm just describing some of the content, but it all goes back to self-talk. In fact, right. if you've been my website, if you don't mind my mentioning this, uh, it's just www.bobdanzig. I have a four-hour set of downloadable videos that are only $4.95 for all right. four of them. And I they deal that. with confidence. They deal with confidence, and they deal with business leadership, and they deal deal with all these other issues you and I are now talking about. And the reason I put it up for $4.95 is it became very popular. And I said, you know, at $49.95, and I said, you know what? This should be more universally available. So encouraged by my wife, Diane, we we reduced the price to $4.95, and it's soaring out. It's amazing how many people are now going to have the tools to alter their self-talk and begin to shore up their confidence. Why live right. a life that's lacking in confidence? Right, right. So a reminder again, bobdanzig.com. Uh, 
Um, I saw that 495. I was like, oh my gosh, is, is he like crazy? This is as close to giving it away as you can. And it's a powerful program. And what a great idea from your wife. What a blessing uh, that idea will be to so many people. And a key the self talk, like Think and Grow Rich, starts with the words truly thoughts are things. And your 50 to 60,000 estimated daily thoughts, if you don't purposely direct and drive those thoughts, the world is going to fill it with crap, negativity, nothing that's going to benefit you at all. So if you don't develop those affirmations and the talking about deserving this and and I, uh, all the positive things you want to do, be, and have, uh, that's so important. You talk to yourself more than anyone else. Do you have some keys to uh, direct that self-talk, uh, Bob, and, and to uh, and also talk about, uh, please, uh, everyone has negative thoughts. I'm enormously positive, but I have negative thoughts too, but I recognize them quickly, and I have a bunch of pre-chosen things to think about instead, affirmations, goals, people. And so talk about the value of those thoughts and, and ways to direct those thoughts so that they're serving you instead of just letting the world dump mm. it into you. Well, Tommy, I get the very question you're bringing up often when I have Q&A sessions after I speak to business leaders. They say, you know, number one, they always say, how do you balance your life? I'm running a multi-billion-dollar company. I've got five children. How do you balance your life? And I say to them, "You're not going to like my answer." And they say, "Well, watch." I said, "Just be 100% whatever you're doing." I said, "When I went to business, I was 100% of business. When I walked in the door of my home, I was 100% a father. I never opened a briefcase at home. I was there to be a father. So if you're just give 100% to everything you do, it." it equips you to block out the other things, all right? right now, the other right. question I often get is the one you're asking now, and that is, you know, how do you, how do you keep yourself cultivated in that positive? Well, I suggest to people they keep a victory log. And when little things come up in their lives, they're affirmative. They don't have to be a big, big essay. Just make a little note. Call it your victory log, okay? Every one right. of my children keep a victory log. They make these little notes of positive things that happen in their lives. And when you have this wander through negativity, which can be imposed upon you by circumstances outside yourself, turn to your victory log and refresh yourself with all those positive things that happen in your life. And let those seep into your mentality because there are counterpoints to the negative things. And they squeeze right. the negative out. They squeeze it out. And the other is to, again, respect your self-talk. You know, my wife kind of shudders a bit when we go out to dinner, and and you've probably heard the same thing, Tommy. When the, when when you thank the server, they say, "Oh, no problem." Right. <laughs> and I say to them, "Would you like a gift for life?" And they say, "Well, yes." And that's when my wife shudders because she knows. So tell me, I say to them, "You know, when you say no problem, those are two negatives, and subconsciously they push people away from you." If you can break that habit and say, my pleasure, those are positively draw people to you. Forget your work right now. You may be going to college, whatever it may be. But if you can cultivate that new use of words, fire the no problem and embrace 
my pleasure. It'll open all kinds of doors in your life and career. Oh, wow. So self-talk and language matters. It matters. Right. So we keep a victory garden. We refresh ourselves from that. We, 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 of course, we have things that pop into our lives that disappoint, they're injurious, whatever they may be, but you have to refresh yourself to get back on a positive path. Right. Wow, it's like you're talking directly to me, Bob. Uh, when I first started goal setting, my very first goal was to meet the Prime Minister of Canada, which I ended up doing within six months, private meeting. Um, I had, it was a victory book, I call it. And so anytime I read a book or wanted to read a book or wanted to meet somebody, wanted to own something, I put it down in the personal, positive, present tense. And then when I did it, I wrote victory beside it. And then I stopped that like about 20 years ago. But I used to love going through my victory book and see the word victory beside. Wow, I've done a lot of stuff. Well, Tommy, kick it back into gear. Kick it back into gear, okay? Right. And then in the last three or four months, I purposely, my wife and I have purposely decided because we fell into that trap of no problem as well. And then about four months ago, as you know, me being the word police, I started thinking like, no problem. Who mentioned a problem? You were being thanked. There's no problem in being thanked. Why would you answer that way? So both of us, my wife and I now, uh, we say thank you, but I'm going to say my pleasure is even better than that. Or you're welcome, I say. But I'm going to say my pleasure. That's even a better response. And so little simple words like that that you just let slip by, they're so important. What is nicer to hear? No problem or my pleasure. Like well, so back simple. to your original genesis point, okay? Thoughts are things. Right. Thoughts become things. So when right. you express positive thoughts, they're they're floating out there. In fact I wrote a book called Angel Threads in your own tapestry of life. Every thread comes from somebody else's thought or action right. that weaves into your personal life tapestry. So thoughts become things. I have to just call them angel threads in that book. Right. Uh, Bob, uh, this is a question maybe you haven't been asked. Uh, Napoleon Hill wrote extensively that the ideal mastermind alliance is between husband and wife. And if you have that, that, well, he wrote about men, but it can be either way, you can conquer the outside world. And it sounds like with all the kids you had and the success you had, the grandchildren you have, uh, has your wife been a key mastermind alliance partner? But in the oh, in a, in a fundamental way, I mentioned to you earlier before we're not the air, Tommy. That I'm in my seventh career, okay, and this mm-hmm. new career is writing movies and writing proposed television shows. Diane, my wife, is part of a four-person group. She's very creative. She's an artist. In fact, we, do, we did a book together called Shakespeare Lives on Cape Cod, which is our summer home, and uh, she painted 20 oil paintings for that book. So she's very creative. And we put together this group of four. We, I call them the Audacity Group, okay? <laughs> and we're taking one of my books, and we're, we're using that book's fundamentals to write a movie. And 
Diane is my partner in this. She's not just a person showing up to be with me. She's an active, creative partner. So we're joined hands not only in our marriage and our lives and our friendships, but also in our kind of interest activities. Right. I think there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. All right. I'm I'm just wild about her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh that's Napoleon Hill wrote specifically about Thomas Edison and Henry Ford and how valuable their wives were to them. And there has to be especially in a case like yours where you must have had to work some enormously long hours in your career and that takes an understanding with the spouse. Uh, with your wife that you, know, you may have to pick up some slack and be in a background role in the public eye, but you're vitally key and important to my career. And there has to be that understanding because I imagine if you're getting nagged about how many hours you work all the time, it's not the best mastermind alliance. Yeah, marriage has to be a partnership. And partners are not only joined to the hip, they're joined to the soul. And therefore, they compensate for each other. Right. Well, joined at the soul. When you're joined at the soul, that is a whole different joining where your soul longs to, like, serve and be of service and uh, to someone else. And, wow, boy, I like the way you put that. Uh, let's talk about now uh, powers of transformational leaders. Um I love, I've written out my legacy that I want people to remember me for. And I think if you're a transformational leader, the legacy you could leave could touch two, three, four, five, ten people deep from the original person that you originally influenced with your leadership. And talk about some of those, those powers, because if we master our confidence, and our leaders, our personal leadership, leadership of ourselves, our thoughts, our words, and our actions, we are then capable of being transformational leaders to the people we come across. And perhaps they will bring those same things they assimilated from us to their kids, to their grandchildren. And how important is that to be able to transform, help transform people's lives? That's that's something like God can do, but if we can use God and his skills, talents, and abilities to transform people, uh, that is an amazing blessing. Well, Tommy, uh, to respond to your specific question about transformational leaders, I want to go back to the genesis, okay? And that is, I began to observe uh, the difference between managing things and leading organizations. And my my view was that management is about today and leadership is about tomorrow. Management is about the process. For example, we'll deliver 11 million Hearst newspapers this week. Kind of a process to do that, okay? Mm-hmm. But leadership is about purpose. What's the noble purpose of what that business is about? And the management is about feeding the body of a place. We have 6,000 people work for our newspapers. They deserve to know their pensions are going to be funded, They'll be able to take a vacation, a paycheck to be cash, etc. So management has to feed the body of a place. But leadership nurtures the spirit and soul of a place, okay? So the mm-hmm. fundamental difference between managing and leading, managing to me is just the positive result of the stuff you got to do. You just right. got to do this stuff, okay? You got to handle today. 
got to handle the process. You got to feed the body. Okay. Leadership, though, leadership, choosing to focus on nurturing leadership in yourself and your organization means you're more aware of tomorrow. You're more aware of purpose, noble purpose. You're more aware of the things that create soul and spirit within an organization. And by the way, I have found that the easiest way to do that is to find consistent ways to celebrate the talents of your place, all right? So mm-hmm. when you embrace more leadership than managing, you don't have to stop managing, but just embrace more leadership. That has a transformational impact, whatever the business may be. In fact, on my watch, Tommy, we acquired $3 billion worth of new businesses. And we acquired a business, and we, we never bought a bad business, okay? But we have a team that goes through and studies all their processes and this and that. I walked through the place sniffing out what the spirit of this place feel like to me. Is it just humdrum? Is it just functional? If it is, I'd say this is a blessing. Because we can come in here and cultivate transformational leadership and make this business exceptional. We'll make it exceptional rather than simply good, okay? You do that by nurturing your own people or leadership roles. You remind them, you remind them that they're not just managing process. They're really nurturing tomorrow. They 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 are defining the noble purpose of that business and they're feeding the spirit of that place. It's very interesting, Tommy. When wow. the spirit is ripe because the people are celebrated, right. right? you can feel it in the energy of a place. You can feel it in the energy. You walk through, you don't even know how to define it. There's electricity to that organization. Now, right. how do you do that in a case like mine? Where we've got 59 businesses all over the country. They're all over the country. San Francisco, Houston, Albany. They're all over the country. Now, how do you create that sense of celebration? Well, I would encourage that among the people who are the presidents of our different units. But every day that I was in New York City, my assistant, Marge Murphy, would send a note out to each one of our She'd choose 20 a day. She'd say, Bobby's here today. And they knew that by 4 o'clock that day, they'd have back to her the name of some of your organization had done something exceptional. One sentence describing that. And then their home address and their wife's name or their husband's name if they're married. And Margaret typed these up. I had an hour and a half train ride from New York to my home, and on the train, I kept my personal stationery in my briefcase. I wrote a note to every one of those people thanking them for the specific thing they had done. Wow. Now, it was exceptional. Let's say you were the Houston Chronicle in Houston, Texas. You had won some local prize, all right? Mm-hmm. I might put an F next to your name, Okay. Or let's say you're in Houston, Texas, you won a statewide regional journalistic prize. I'm going to put a T next to your name. I hand-wrote all the envelopes. I brought them in the next day, and Marge would mail them out, okay? And where she saw an F, she sent flowers to that spouse that said, congratulations on the good news for your Tommy. Let's say you were the guy, okay? Right. Bob Danzig. Now, where she saw a T, where she saw a T, she sent either a Tiffany Jewelers Bracelet to the to the women, or a money right. clip to the men. Same note. Congratulations on the good news for your Tommy. When Tommy wow. got home, his wife would say, "I got these flowers from Bob Danzig," and right. he would tell again what you had achieved, Tommy. Okay. Right. Or if she had gotten the Tiffany bracelet, I got this bracelet from Bob Danzig. 
She knows I'm the president of the company. He's right. one of 6,000 people, okay? Well, 20 a day, any any them in New York City, starts to add up to a lot of people, Tommy, and they right. tell all their associates, okay? So they're right. honored They're honored where they're loved, uh, not just where they lived. These notes never went to the business, okay? Right. So I could tell you, Tommy, Wow. they kept those notes. I bet. They never let go of those notes. So you can create <laughs> a celebration of your people, even though you're not with them day in and day out. Right. Wow, that that's a... cultivates a transformational organization. And the leaders who embrace a focus on tomorrow, a focus right. on noble purpose, a focus on cultivating the spirit of a place, they transform those places, Tommy. Wow. They wow. are wow. indeed transformational leaders. What a unique and amazing idea. Now, you use the word purpose, I think, about six or eight times. And the number one of the 17 principles of success of Napoleon Hill is definiteness of purpose. And if it applies to people's personal lives, it especially applies to business as well. Businesses are our lives of their own. There are many lives in many cases. And so talk about that uh, uh, purpose. The noble purpose. It doesn't necessarily have to be long-winded uh, or complicated, uh, but if everyone knows their noble purpose, it sure makes things easier to get things done when they know that uh, I'm one of 6,000, but we all are serving a noble purpose, and my purpose is just as important as everyone else's. Well, I like to back into these things, Tommy. I like to back into them, okay? Right. I've had the same question many, many times when speaking, all right? And I say to people and answer that question, how do you know your purpose, your noble purpose? I say to them, think about this. Tommy Cunningham is unique in the universe. There may be other people with your name. There may be some people who look like you. But no one else in the universe has your spirit or your soul or your charisma. That's yours alone among the billions of people. You have this uniqueness that's yours own. That has to mean there's a noble purpose to the gift that you have to be you. And you just have to work at understanding that. That's all. You know, here you are, Tommy. I don't know what your prior career was. You don't even have to answer that. But here you are with this broadcast idea to affirm people's values and affirm their direction of life and bring positive thinking and understand the principle of Napoleon, all that, okay, was in your nature. It was in your spirit to do. There came a point when you took an action to activate your spirit so it impacts the universe. Mm. Everyone has that chance. It doesn't have to be something so big as a big radio program like yours or running a multi-billion dollar company. It can be a gesture of kindness. It can be an extra little 5% tip to a server. Right. It can take all kinds of forms because you're sharing your spirit and that brings purpose and noble purpose to your life and your actions. Mm. Wow. Right. And every action Every interaction you have with people, if you have a noble person, purpose, mine is to encourage people to live positively. Well, everyone I come across in the world can 
be encouraged to live positively. And when you have a noble purpose like that, it, it, it becomes who you are. You must share it. And so everyone has it. They may not always know it. I call it my God-given purpose because I had what I thought was my purpose. But now I know why God created me. Uh, when you know that, you feel bad when you're not doing what God created the you. Key, Tommy, the, the key self-talk to keep that aware in your spirit is to understand you are unique in the universe. Everyone hearing this program has to be able to shut their eyes and understand there is no other them. They are unique in the universe. That has to mean you've got something to share with the universe. Right. God didn't create them haphazardly. He created them for a purpose. And if they find that purpose, uh, they sure will have a, a much better life using their skills, talents, and abilities that God gave them. So, 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 so important. Now, uh, let's end off by talking about another Tommy Cunningham that you know that had an enormously profound effect on your life. Well, bear with me, because this is not the shortest story I have, but when I was the office boy at the Albany Times Union, a bunch of the office boys and copy boys would have lunch together. And one of those was a fellow named Tommy Cunningham. And his dream in life was to be a sports writer because he had a cousin who was a professional baseball player. And inspired by the fact that he had a direct link to the professional sports. Mm-hmm. And that, that incented him to want to be a sports writer, okay? Well, some years later, Tommy Cunningham was a sports writer. And I got recruited by a local organization to leave the newspaper and become the marketing director of the first shopping center to open in the Albany area, okay? Mm-hmm. I went there in October, and I had no idea what to do to bring a big big audience to the opening of this thing, but I was going to try my best to be open-minded and creative. And it happened to be the World Series time, okay? And I remember that Tommy Cunningham's cousin was a man named Bill Mazeroski, who was a catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. And in the, in the seventh game of the World Series, in a game-winning, full-bases-loaded home run hit by Bill Mazeroski, the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series. And I called my friend Tommy Cunningham. And I said, Tommy, do you think there's any possibility you could call your cousin and ask him whether he'd come and and star at the opening of our shopping center? You will let me try. So he called Bill. Bill got such a kick out of his cousin calling him that he came and opened the Westgate Shopping Center for us. Wow. And I built a small diamond in the big parking lot there. And the owner, his name was Frank J. Nigro, came out. And I had Frank J. Nigro throw a baseball to Bill Mazeroski. The television cameras were all there. The place went wild. It was the most spectacular opening in the history of any shopping center in the Albany area. Wow. Because wow. my friend Tommy Cunningham opened that door. And six weeks later, the newspaper called me and said, we want you back. <laughs> we want you back. And I went back <laughs> to the advertising manager. See, But Tommy Cunningham changed my life pattern. 
Wow. There are people in your path, Tommy. There are people listening to this program right now who have people cross their path. They don't even know it, but they're going to show up as an angel thread and influence the whole tapestry life direction. Tommy Cunningham and Bill Mazeroski did that for me. Wow, imagine as an office boy meeting this guy, never thinking that you meet the guy who hits the Grand Slam home run to win the World Series. That's amazing. And what a shopping. I would go to a shopping center opening if uh, if that was the case. And I don't like shopping centers, so it must have drawn quite a crowd. And to have the owner throw out a pitch to Bill, ooh, wow. I'm sure that guy, that paid for the price of the whole shopping center there for him. Well, I I learned two things that day, Tommy. I learned, number one, always ask for the order. Right. Always ask for the order. And number two, respect the fact that that thread was in your tapestry of life. Right. You are blessed. Meet Tommy Cunningham. And, uh, so wow. you can tell that story now because you, right. you had a guy with your name. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> right. I'm going to look him up, Tommy Cunningham, the sports writer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, great how, does, how do I get to hear this program, Tommy? What do I do? Well, you can send uh, me an email tell me what to do. Right. I'm going to email it to you uh, with some links, and uh, we're going to blo- broadcast it on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, I have listeners from over 50 countries, so they're going to get to enjoy our show today. Good, Tom. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you. You're Thank very you good so at much. what you do. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, what an amazing uh, an interview. I feel like you're just speaking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, Email Tom at tomtootall.com for details.